Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Core Concepts of Emergency Medicine. Welcome to this week's Core Concepts brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from Carolina's Medical Center Emergency Medicine Group. How about some introductions? We have several residents here. I'm Natalie Wood. I'm Jeremy Driscoll. And I'm Joanna Kreefel. This week's installment is sponsored by Urine Pregnancy Tests. Urine Pregnancy Tests, because everyone is pregnant no matter what they say. Even guys. Urine Pregnancy Tests. Now let's get on with the show. This week, we will be discussing agitation. This is a good topic to cover. We have all encountered the agitated patient way more often than I would like. Agreed. These patients draw a lot of attention and resources from the department. It is important to know what causes agitation and how to appropriately and safely manage patients. When I think of the agitated patient, I immediately think of drug use. Alcohol, cocaine, bath salts, meth, robotrypin, acid, molly, ganja, smack, brown sugar, dope, ice, poppers, glass, zinc, White lightning, purple drank, scissor, shrooms, Yucatan fire, rocket fuel. Man, you know a lot of drugs. Yeah, you know, I have to stay on top of these things for my work, you know. So I understand what my patients are talking about. Fair enough. Toxins are one of the main etiologies for agitation in our patients, but don't hang your hat on the Yucatan fire causing all your problems. There are plenty of serious medical problems that can cause patients to be agitated. Think about the easy and quickly reversible causes, hypoxia, hypoglycemia, True. Don't forget head injury, stroke, subarachnoid hemorrhage. Blood in the brain makes you act a little funny. Also, infection is a huge cause. Meningitis, encephalitis, or sepsis from another infection. And obviously we have a very large burden of psychiatric disease in our patient population. Sometimes agitation is just a manifestation of their underlying disease, and these patients can present on a spectrum. Sure, I've had those patients that are just mildly agitated, but once we get them into their room with less distractions, and can have a calm conversation, they will easily calm down. Agitated, but cooperative. Definitely. These are great patients to offer oral medications to if they are willing to take them. Think about giving the patient with the underlying psychiatric condition an oral dose of their normal medication, or just some good old-fashioned benzos. Then there are those patients that are disruptive, but not dangerous. Maybe they're yelling and carrying on in the hallway, but not actively threatening others. Not a danger to themselves. These are excellent patients to attempt verbal de-escalation in. Maybe you can get them to the point where they would accept oral medications and you can appropriately examine them. But if verbal de-escalation doesn't work... That's when I start thinking about getting some IM medications on board. IM Haldol, or maybe a little IM Geodon, or some IM Midazolam. You can't forget the IM option. It is dangerous to try and go get a thrashing patient to get IV access. You don't want to put your nurses or yourself through that. Agreed, and I think it's important to mention that these patients are likely ones that have escalated enough to require physical restraint. This is when you need to start talking about mechanical restraints in addition to the chemical. Every place is going to be different on how these patients are appropriately documented. But just to be clear about the indications, have good communication with your nurses and other staff. It is so important to keep the patient and your staff safe. Totally agree. Little bit of a detour, but did you know that 50% of attacks on healthcare workers occur in the emergency department? That's crazy. I can't think of any other kind of industry where clients or customers can actively mistreat workers and this is tolerated behavior. You're right. Obviously, some of our patients certainly can't help their behavior. You can't help having blood in your head or agitation from hypoglycemia or behavioral disturbances from your psychiatric disorder. But it really is amazing the kind of situations we often find ourselves in. Agreed. 
So you have to treat these situations with violent and agitated patients like the emergency they are. You wouldn't let an AFib with RVR go on forever. You would barely leave the room until it was handled. True. The severely agitated patient should be treated the same way. Be on top of it. Control the patient. Protect yourself and your staff. And then you can appropriately assess and diagnose the patient. Yep. That is what it all comes back to. We're trying to get adequate control to then be able to safely assess the patient. I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time getting a pupil exam when someone is trying to actively punch me in the face. Maybe you just need more practice. You're probably right, Joanna. Okay, so back to the drugs. Yes, everyone has their favorite combos. The B-52s, vitamin H or Haldol and benzo combination. And I am always hearing about dropiridol in other podcasts and literature, although it has limited use here in the United States. Let's talk through some of those different choices. Okay, so for starting with IM medications, IM midazolam is a great choice. You can treat with 5 to 10 milligrams intramuscularly. And the other one we commonly use is haloperidol, 5 to 10 milligrams IM. Though we don't have it at our hospital, dropiridol is also 5 to 10 milligrams IM. And if you want to use an atypical antipsychotic instead, ziprosidone, 10 milligrams IM, or you could use 10 milligrams of olanzapine. Let's say we have a patient that has IV access. We have a couple more options. For benzos, you can still use midazolam, 2.5 to 5 milligrams IV. Lorazepam is another option, 1 to 2 milligrams IV. Or diazepam, 5 milligrams IV. And all of these need to be titrated up depending on the patient's response. They may need much more than these initial doses to get appropriate sedation. You can use the antipsychotics IV too. Haloperidol will be roughly 2.5 to 10 milligrams IV, and dropiridol 2.5 to 5 milligrams IV. Again, these will need to be titrated up for their effect. I used to always wonder which ones to choose and why. It certainly does come down to provider preference. If you want quick onset of action, midazolam is a good choice because the onset is in 2 to 3 minutes with peak action around 10 minutes. The downside is that it only lasts around 30 minutes. Lorazepam, on the other hand, has a relatively quick onset of 2 to 5 minutes, peaks around 30 minutes, but lasts for many hours. I feel like a lot of our toxicology faculty here like using a combination of midazolam and lorazepam. Speaking of tox, we haven't really talked about using Benadryl, the classic B in B52. Benadryl is kind of like a dirty word to the toxicology folks. It does make sense when you think about it. If you're thinking from a tox perspective, agitation can be caused by serotonin syndrome, anticholinergic toxicity, and obviously the alcohol and other drug intoxication that we have been talking about. Mad as a hatter, blind as a bat, red as a bee, you know. If you give the patient Benadryl, they will probably get worse. True, we definitely don't want to do any more iatrogenic harm. That being said, benzos and antipsychotics aren't completely benign. Obviously, the primary effect in our desired outcome is sedation. But if you have too much benzo effect from multiple doses or form combination use with antipsychotics, the patient can have respiratory depression or some hypotension. Once the patient is adequately sedated, they will need to be on a monitor and be in a high-visibility room. Using these medications either alone or in combination will hopefully have the patient sedated enough for the appropriate exam. But we have all seen the situation where a patient was severely agitated and difficult to control, so they got several rounds of medication and suddenly have a decreased respiratory rate and need to be bagged. You know a great drug that could avoid all of these complications? What? It's the sexiest drug on the block, ketamine. Who doesn't love ketamine? It should just be in our water supply at this point. Ketamine is an excellent choice for severely agitated patients. You can use a 4 to 5 milligram per kilogram IM dose or a 1 to 2 milligram per kilogram IV dose. And the great thing is that it has the same safety profile that we're used to. Very small incidence of laryngospasm, but otherwise the patients maintain their respiratory drive. They may have a small increase in heart rate and blood pressure, but they achieve adequate sedation without some of the dangerous side effects of the benzos. That sounds pretty good, but 4 to 5 mg per kg seems like a whopping dose. 
Yeah, it's a little strange ordering 500 milligrams of ketamine IM. But the nice thing is, the way that it works as a sedative is by causing dissociation. So it's pretty much binary. You are either dissociated or you aren't. So adding more ketamine on top of an already dissociated patient doesn't make them more dissociated. They are just sedated or they're not. There was a recent article in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine comparing ketamine to benzos, haloperidol, and a combination of haloperidol plus benzos as first-line agents for treatment of severe agitation. Ketamine took six and a half minutes on average to adequately sedate compared to midazolam at 14.9 minutes, lorazepam at 17.7 minutes, and haloperidol at 13.4 minutes. Benzo and haloperidol combo, 23.3 minutes. I feel like we can agree that six and a half minutes is definitely preferable. That's pretty cool. I need to use more ketamine in these patients. It's definitely a good option. So now that we have the patient adequately sedated... And they aren't trying to punch me in the face. We can take the time to safely do a good exam and astutely diagnose the hemorrhagic stroke or hypoglycemia or sepsis. Or, more often than not, drug or alcohol intoxication. So to summarize, agitated patients are a super common presentation to the emergency department. Most of them are related to drug or alcohol intoxication, but the differential is wide, including electrolyte abnormalities, intracranial bleeds, stroke, hypoxia, and so on. These patients will present on a spectrum. Some will be able to comply with oral medication to help control their mild agitations. Others, they can be talked down. But others are going to need more aggressive physical and chemical restraints. Commonly, people start with IM or IV medications. Try 5 to 10 milligrams of midazolam IM or haloperidol, 5 to 10 milligrams IM. Droperidol is also 5 to 10 milligrams IM for those of you that have it. If you're going the IV route, use midazolam 2.5 to 5 milligrams IV. Lorazepam is another option at 1 to 2 milligrams IV or diazepam at 5 milligrams IV. Haloperidol will be 2.5 to 10 milligrams IV and droperidol 2.5 to 5 milligrams IV. Midazolam is quick onset and short duration. Lorazepam is pretty quick onset and longer duration of action. And don't forget ketamine. 1 to 2 milligrams per kilogram IV or 4 to 5 milligrams per kilogram IM are good options and don't have respiratory depression as a side effect. Once your patient is adequately sedated, you now have the time to appropriately evaluate them and make the diagnosis without having to duck under punches. Thanks again for the discussion team. From the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is EM Guidewater. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go! Be awesome today! CMC out!